Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Uh, if you would open your Bible this morning to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be here and uh, looking forward to this morning. One of the things that we all need as believers is encouragement, right? Um, From time to time in our life, we'll go through times of disappointment, times of discouragement, and we need encouragement. Um, And so Paul, who many believe penned the book of Hebrews, is giving some encouragement here in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, There's a story, though, about during the gold rush of a man um, who'd been mining in Colorado for quite some time. He was in search of gold. And he'd been out there for years and mining and mining away, and he, he got discouraged. And so <clears throat> all his initial research said there was gold there. But after a few years of mining, he got discouraged, and, um, he, and, he, and he gave up. There was another man that came into town, the story goes, and he bought his equipment, his lease, his land rights, everything about that, did his own research and really thought where this guy was at, there was gold. And so he wanted to take over from this first gentleman. And the story goes that this man had been discouraged. And so this new, new miner came in. And on the next day, the very next day, this new miner struck gold, digging in the exact same place as this first man had dug for years. And so it just goes to show the importance of encouragement. Oftentimes, if we're not careful in the Christian life or in our Christian walk, we can allow discouragement to, uh, just, just to get us off course or to uh, keep us from experiencing something great that God has for us right around the corner. And the Apostle Paul knew that uh, fellow believers needed encouragement from time to time. And many people um, understand this as well. And so Paul here in Hebrews is trying to encourage his fellow believers. And so he's trying to encourage them through scriptural truth. He's not giving them a motivational speech. He's not giving them a funny story. He's not um, um, trying to encourage them any other way than through the word of God. And that is where we get true encouragement from. Uh, We can be enlightened through humor. We can be uh, motivated temporarily through a motivational speech. But true encouragement comes from God's word and through the truth found in God's word. So let's look at that this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll read just a few verses. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that's uh, chosen to come this morning to worship you and to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that they would indeed hear from you, Lord, that you would just use me as a mouthpiece, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen the believers here. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, we thank you for blessing us and for this opportunity that we have. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So there's a few things in this portion of scripture that I think can be an encouragement to us 
as we look at this text. There's, a, there's three keys, really, the, that, that the author here gives for um, running your race. We know throughout Scripture that Paul talks about his race. You can see it all throughout the New Testament. He talks about the Christian life as a race that's run. And so this analogy is nothing new to you if you've opened your Bible and if you've read much of, of your Bible, um, that, that this running of the race is something that Paul talks about. And so the Bible says, um, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so there is a race set before us as Christians. This was written to believers and all of us have a purpose in this race. We all have a part in this race. You see, life without Christ lacks, lacks um, purpose. And so this race that God gives us really defines our purpose as Christians. And so there are many ways to encourage someone and point someone to Christ. Once you share the gospel with them and they have a, a grasp of who Christ is, that he came to this earth, that he was, he was crucified on the cross, that he took the place of our sin, that he was buried and rose from the grave, they can choose to accept Christ or not. And many people will um, choose to trust Christ for varying reasons. Uh, some people will choose to trust Christ because of their desire to go to heaven when they die and not experience hell. Many people will choose to trust Christ for many different reasons. And sometimes maybe we focus so much on heaven and hell that we forget about the purpose that being a Christian gives us. The purpose that we have as believers and the, the joy that comes with being a believer and having a personal relationship with the God that created us and the God that wants to know us intimately. And so Paul here is trying to encourage believers. But the first thing we have to understand that for us to have purpose, we first have to be Christians. We have to know for sure that we are Christians, that we have an eternal home in heaven. Um, this life can be very difficult and, and discouraging for people that don't know that. Because we were created for a purpose. And, and if we're not trusting Christ as our Savior, if we haven't made that step of faith and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then having that purpose doesn't make sense. Then, then not knowing that purpose uh, really keeps us from uh, moving forward in our life. But as Christians, Christ gives us purpose. And we know that we were placed in this earth for one purpose, and that's to glorify God and to bring praise to Him. And so as Christians, we have purpose and we have a, a direction from God. And so Hebrews here was written to Christians in the face of persecution, instruction and encouragement to them to keep going forward. Each of one of us as a Christian has a God-given purpose. God has left us on this earth after we trusted Christ for a reason. There's a reason why we don't become Christians and then immediately go to heaven. Although that might be great, there's a greater purpose for us. And there's a reason why Christ leaves us here on this earth. And so Paul here is encouraging the believers to run their race um, and look to Jesus. Oftentimes we um, sometimes get so focused on our present world that we forget about the race that we're in. And so Paul was encouraging these believers. Christ did not save us. I had a teacher in high school who said the American dream is to make all you can, to put it in a can and then sit on your can. And that is not why Christ saved us and left us on this earth. It's not to fulfill our own pleasures. It's not to have a big fancy house or super nice luxurious automobiles and to have a bank account full of cash. All those things can be great and they can be good, but that's not why we're here. That's not why Christ left us here. That's not our purpose. That's not our task. Our task at hand as believers is not to become wealthy in this world. It's to give God glory. And so we must run our race 
um, with purpose and on purpose because we have a God-given purpose. And we are all in this race. Every believer has been entered into this race, whether you want to or not. Um, there are, the Greek word here uh, for the race is not the normal word used. It's, it's agon, uh, which is where we get the English word agony. And if you're like me, that's what you think of when you hear the word race. Uh, I am not a runner. Uh, I don't enjoy running. That's not something I believe God built me for. And so I, um, I, that's what I think of when I think of running is agony. In fact, in, in high school, I played basketball, as you could probably imagine. And my senior year, our coach said, if you're going to play on varsity, you have to run cross country before the season starts. I want you in shape. I want you fast. Uh, it'll be an advantage to us before the season starts to have everyone do that. And so after that meeting, I went into his office and says, I'm not playing basketball this year because I don't want to run. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we kind of worked that out, but that's how I feel about running this race. Uh, but as a believer, this race that we're in uh, is not optional. And God has left us here and made us a part of this race. And we all have a reason to be in this race. We all have a specific task and we all have um, something to do. And every runner is expected to win. We all have a task and every winner is expected to win. So not only are we all in this race, but others have run this race and won it before us. And so we know we're not alone. Christ is with us and we have many witnesses, the Bible talks about, who have run this race before us. The Greek word here in, in, in witness does not mean angel. Um, the Greek word here is martis. It speaks and refers to someone who has um, seen or heard or performed something. And so it speaks of a well-qualified expert. So the context here strongly suggests that the, the witnesses here in verse one aren't um, angels and they're not people just sitting around heaven watching us, but they were the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. I firmly believe that's who they are. Um, and they had done great things, not because they were great people, but because they had great faith in God. And so Paul tries to encourage these believers that these people had gone before them. They had endured trials, they had endured affliction, and they still had great faith and God used them mightily. Um, and so as, as we look at this, we have to understand that first for us to uh, run this race, we have to know Christ as our savior. Uh, and then we have to realize that we're not in this race alone. Others have gone before us, we can look unto them, and we also have Christ to look to as well. But Paul gives something that I feel like is very important that we should look at, something that really has changed my life when I learned this lesson a long time ago. Um, and we find that in this portion of scripture. We know we have to be saved to be a part of this race, but there are also some things to pay attention to as we go through this race. A lot of times, if you're like me, our biggest problems aren't necessarily from other people. They're self-inflected wounds. Now, sometimes we may try and like to blame the devil or blame someone else, but oftentimes the difficulties and struggles we're going through are self-inflicted. And so as we, as we know this and as we look at this, Paul tries to encourage us along this matter. He says in verse one, he says, wherefore seeing we also are combassed about with so great a cloud of witness. He gives an instruction right here. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us. Paul talks about two things that we as believers are to lay aside during our race. Uh, the first one is weight. In verse one, the Bible talks about weights. Paul's concern here is not simply whether something was immoral or moral, 
Paul was talking about something that um, had the wrong priority in our life. Paul talks about weights and sin, not the weight of sin. So we know there's two separate things there. And so often we read through this passage and we ignore those two separate things. We know as believers, even as non-believers, that sin separates us from God and sin makes it hard for us to obey God and sin ruins our life and sin keeps us from serving him and being effective witnesses for him. But Paul talks about something besides the sin there. He talks about the weight. And look at that, the weights that so easily beset us. Sometimes in our lives, we can have a thing that becomes a weight in our race. Now, these weights, as Paul talks about, aren't necessarily sin. They can be something that's good. They can be something that's wholesome. That can be something that maybe we think is really important to us. Um, they could even be good works, but they become, can become weights if we're not careful and keep us from being focused on, on our race, keeping us from being focused on what God has for us to do. And so consider these weights to be disproportionate affections for other things than Christ. They can be football, they could be hobbies, they could be a job, they could be a person, none of which are wrong, but in the wrong place, they can set us aside and, and get us distracted from our race. And so these are disproportionate affections for our bodies, for the world, or this present life. Imagine this, a runner in the Olympics. Uh, if you're like me, you like to watch the Olympics when they're on every, every two years. And um, I personally think the winter are better than the summer. But imagine a, a, a runner in the Summer Olympics uh, who's trained for years, who's among the best of the best to prove that they are some of the best in the world. They have to prove that they're the best in their country to even get to this stage. But suppose that in, in their race to be the world's best runner, they start focusing so much on their body or things of this world, maybe clothes or shoes, that they get to the Olympics and decide that they would rather look good than perform good. And so they don't wear the proper clothes or the proper shoes because they want to look a certain way. We might think how silly. They've worked all this time to get to this point and now they're going to throw it away for something as silly as clothes or shoes. Um, but what really just happened is what Paul is warning us as Christians about is, is a weight, something that's not wrong, but keeps us from running the race that God wants us to run. Keeps us distracted, keeps us off focus from what God has for us. I believe there's some examples of this in the scripture. Turn to, turn to Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 46, the, the Bible gives us a story of blind Bartimaeus. And it says here in verse 46, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. And he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49 says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the man, blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, and he, and he, and he called thee. And he, and he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. 
we read this text here and, and we think about it, um, it says here that he cast away his garment. That doesn't mean he took off his clothes and ran to Jesus. The man was blind, but that's not what he did. Scholars believe that, and historians believe that this was a long upper loose garment that beggars had to wear, almost as a symbol that they were allowed to sit outside the gate and beg. Almost a certification that they truly didn't have any other way to provide for themselves. Um, and so this man wore this long and, and up, loose upper garment, almost as a badge, so to speak, that entitled him to receive alms and allowed him to beg uh, from others. But when Jesus came, he took what was allowed to be on him. He took what was rightfully his. And it, the Bible says he cast it aside so that it didn't get in the way of running to Jesus. This man took something that he once relied on for his well-being and he threw it to the side on his way to Jesus. And, and, and I can't help here but think that this was a weight that he was casting aside. It wasn't anything wrong, something he needed, but it was going to slow him down, possibly trip him up getting to Jesus. And so we see him taking it off. The, the idea here is that something that might be good, something that might not be wrong, can keep us and cause us harm in our race, keep us from, from running the race as we should whether that could be something as simple as a hobby or video games or, or sports or, or anything, we have to focus on what God has called us to do and not allow these things to set us aside and, and, and slow us down in this race that we're expected to win for the cause of Christ. Now, there's also something else the Bible talks about besides weights. It says the weight and sin. Um, look, back at Mark chapter nine, and the Bible gives us an example of sin. In Mark chapter nine, verse 42, the Bible says, and whosoever, Christ speaking here, shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell and into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. If you keep reading through this verse, it talks about the foot in verse 45, the eye in verse 47. And um, here he says, just get rid of it because it's better to enter into your life maimed than to allow these things to offend you. So the idea proposed here is that our own hand, our own eye, our own foot could cause us to sin. And, and if it's a cause for sin, we should get rid of it because it's going to slow us down in our race. Now, some people will take this scripture literally. Some people take it figuratively. And I've heard many interpretations on this portion of scripture. But whatever way you approach it, we have to understand this, that no matter whether you poke your eyes out, whether you cut your hands or your feet off, you can still sin because sin is more of a matter of our heart than of our hands, of our eyes, or of our feet. We can completely dismember our body and if we don't change our heart, if we don't change our attitude and our outlook, and if Christ hasn't changed us, then we can still sin. And we're going to still find a way to sin. So Jesus here speaks of the strongest manner of tone possible to speak of the costliest sacrifice, and that's sin. Sin is the costliest sacrifice that we can make in our race. He wants us to understand the importance and the magnitude of not just removing weights, but also removing sin from our life. So for you or me, maybe it's not our garments. Maybe it's, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's activity. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it is sin and it's something that we're, we're doing or, or, or dwelling on mentally or, or, or thinking about or saying that, that isn't what we should be doing as Christians. 
Um, but we have to understand that these weights and these sins, when unconfessed, can derail our race. They can cause us to, to slow down. They can cause us to not perform to our potential. They cause us great shame as Christians. I think of it this way. Weights are external. Weights are of this world, but sin is internal. And both of these things must be cast away if we're going to be successful in our race. I couldn't help but notice in Hebrews, if you turn back to Hebrews chapter 12, Paul talks about these two things in a specific order. And I think it's important to notice that. He talks about the weight and the sin. I oftentimes wonder if maybe we struggle with sin or giving up a temptation or, or a, an addiction because we have so many weights already weighing us down. Uh, that we're so distracted in our race that we're not focused on enough on Christ, that we're not spending time like we should in God's word, or we're not having as close a relationship as we should with Christ because we're focusing on all these other weights of this world. So it's important for us to focus on our perspective and, and, and maybe get a fresh perspective on what our race is. Gaining perspective can mean many different things. For someone who just escaped death, they'll have a new perspective on life. For us as Christians, we should have a good perspective on our calling and on our purpose. What does God want from us and why has he left us here? Those are things we all should answer as believers and we should know in our hearts. And so I wanna challenge you this morning, the author here is encouraging us to consider our weights and any sin that is slowing our pace and quite possibly our ability to win. If we're going to win this race, we have to look no farther first than ourselves before we look at others. We need to make sure there's no unnecessary weight slowing us down or unconfessed sin in our life. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect. He sinned quite a bit. And if you know the story of David, you understand that. But David knew how to, I believe, confess his sins and to turn and to look for a restored relationship with Christ. And that's what we must do as Christians. And then the last thing Paul tells us here. In this verse, um, verse two, not only should we lay aside the weight and the sin, which slows us down and keeps us from running our race, but then as we run our race, we have to have the right focus. And it says in verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We must look unto Jesus if we're gonna run our race. The phrase here speaks of a steadfast, intent gaze and look. It's not a quick glance, we're not just going to look at Jesus and turn back to what we're doing the rest of the day. It's a steadfast intent and continual gaze. Uh, it's easy to quit looking at him and look to the right or to the left or even look at people behind us or in front of us. And perhaps if you're a runner much, you realize the importance of not looking at what others are doing, but focusing on your pace and, and focusing on what you have to do to win your race. Uh, someone once said, if you want to be disappointed, look to others. If you want to be discouraged, look at yourself. And if you want to be delighted, look at Jesus. And Paul says we are to look unto Jesus. We're supposed to gaze, focus intently on Christ. And then it says, consider him. The way to avoid discouragement and failing and falling down in our race is not only to look at Jesus, but to consider him. I'm not going to sing for you because I don't want you to run out the back doors right now. But there's a song we often sing, probably even in your church. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And then it says, look full in his wonderful face, and then the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The weights and sins of earth will grow strangely dim. The discouragement here in this earth will grow strangely dim, but only in the light of his glory and grace. 
We have to consider Christ, his sacrifice to us. Consider what Christ went through. I find it strange that so often we are willing to put our eternal security in Christ and place our complete trust in him for the future, but then not for this life, as if we could do better. We must consider Christ's sacrifice, consider his sufficiency in this life and in eternal life. But we must look unto Jesus. The advantage to gain is the mean in which we prevent our weariness and fainting. If we look unto Jesus, we won't grow weary. If we look unto Jesus, we won't faint in our race. And how do I know that? Because look at verse three. It says, consider him, uh, for consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. There's a proneness in every, even the very best of us to grow weary and faint under trials and affliction. There's a proneness for us to give up, to quit, to, to backslide if we're not looking unto Jesus. We must look to Jesus. We must focus on him. And you might be wondering in closing, I know I'm about out of time here, but why are we talking about running our race? It's missions emphasis month. Why aren't you, why aren't you preaching a missions message? But here's what we have to understand is that my race has a lot to do with missions. Your race has a lot to do with missions. You see, your race affects more than just you. Your race affects your family. It affects those around you. It affects your church family. And it affects missions around the world. Uh, if, if, if this church dissolves because no one affected, no one cared about their own race, it affects missionaries around the world. They'll lose their support. They'll lose their prayer partners. They'll lose their encouragement from this church. This, this community will lose a lighthouse. This community will lose a place for them to come and hear of how Jesus can save them and how Jesus loves them. So our race affects more than just yourself. Your race affects more than just you. It's a bigger picture. My race is between me and God. That's true. But it affects so many more people. Uh, and, and, and it has everything to do with mission. The success or failure of your race will have eternal consequences, not just for you, but for the people that weren't witnessed because of that, who didn't have a chance to hear of Christ because of your failure, because of your inability to focus on, on your race. Missions is personal on every level. We talked about that in Sunday school, how it starts here in this local church. Um, it's very personal. And so if we're going to advance for the kingdom of God, if missions is going to grow, if people around the world are going to be saved, it starts with people right here in Panama City, Florida, focusing on their race, on what God has for them to do, on how they're successful and who they're reaching for Christ. And, world and, and, and uh, missions and world evangelism Reaching the lost requires Christians everywhere, not just be in the race, but be focused on the race. Be focused on the calling that God has for them and know why they're in the race. Others are counting on you to win your race. Will you win your, win your race? Will you compete at the highest level possible? I want to challenge you this morning to think about who you're focusing on, what you're focusing on. And then maybe there's some weight or some sin in your life that's slowing down your race and affecting not just you, but others around the world from hearing of the gospel and being effective in missions outreach. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information, check out fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.